So, hey, John, I want to talk to you about crafting something in the game. Oh, yeah, yeah, great. I think that crafting can be a really cool add-on um, to, to make some interesting parts of the game. What, what were you thinking about crafting? Well, I was hoping to see if I could make a centrifuge. Oh, um, I, I guess so. What are you planning on using it for? Well, I was going to see if there's uranium in the world. And then I was going to use the centrifuge to, like, enrich it. I, I'm just going to stop you right there. This time on Becoming DM, we're talking about adding crafting to your game. Hey everyone, this is John. And this is Danielle. And today we're going to be talking about uh, making stuff. Uh, <laughs> so, like... I know that there's there's a lot of focus I feel like in in uh, D and I'm I think it's kind of the similar in Pathfinder, but there's a lot of focus on making magic items. There's a lot of everybody kind of wants to do that, and for good reason because I mean who doesn't want a super high powerful you know magic doodad to do stuff with? Um, but there's also this this whole other realm of crafting mundane items that I personally find um, very interesting. And uh, there's a lot of different ways you can go about it. But to start, um, like when you're looking at crafting a mundane item as a as a DM, you can add some some really new, cool, unique items into the world. Um, but from a non-magical standpoint, which I I feel like adds a like more depth. I don't know if I'm I'm off my rocker here, but it I feel like it adds more depth when I add like a unique item that's not a magic item because everybody's kind of focused on magic items less so the mundane like um goblin gung drops right so oh i thought you said dung drops for a second there <laughs> no, well i called them i called them gung drops i mean dung drops is what i'm thinking but uh, i figured <laughs> i figured if you called them gung drops i don't I, I feel like in my head it's like a combination of guano Okay. And dung. Okay, so I was on so the right it, track with thinking that. that oh it was yeah, okay. you were hundred percent on the right track. <laughs> this this is this is poo in a bag. <laughs> that doesn't seem like it would be terribly hard to craft. <laughs> no, it's not going to be terribly hard to craft. But if you're a goblin, you know. But the other side of that is is that um, you could say it, but you could also have goblins using these, or have you know stories about goblins using these, and it's not. Um, and you don't, it, it doesn't have to be this particular item. You can do a lot of different things like uh, Willow Peak Guardian Sandpipe. I don't know what that is, but we could find out what that is. <laughs> well, I think that, I think that another reason that this can be important, and, and I do think we, we do call out if your players are interested in this aspect of the game, because some, some are not, some just want to get on with the story. But for those that are, this is a way for them to inject, and, and, and for you as a, as a DM as well, to, to inject personality into the game. Because it's no longer a short sword. It's the short sword of Calbanic, um, which I know is where we have the bunny rabbit that, uh, that's going to kill us all. Uh, <laughs> um, but but and, and by by allowing some crafting there, you can you can take these otherwise kind of plain items 
give them some personality, but also maybe customize them to, to have some sort of a of a mundane effect that might be beneficial to the party or the the enemies of the party, uh, for instance. I, I I imagine that 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 gung drops probably um, probably does have some some benefits for the goblins who are throwing them at their enemies. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm thinking constitution checks. <laughs> but I thought of this with you with your sword. So it it might be a non magical sword. Mm-hmm. Right, this this sword that you've crafted, but it's crafted in such a way, and it's the sword of uh, Rabbit Death Place, and uh, but to to a certain type of people, that sword is recognizable, and so having something like that could could still impact their game through notoriety. Yeah, and and the notoriety, the naming of it, like everybody wants a sword that's named, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but you can also if you if you want to go this far you can do things that that allow it in certain situations to have some sort of mechanical benefit uh within the game uh maybe maybe when um when uh i don't know somebody's prone it allows you to i don't know take a take an extra attack against them or something like that i don't know i was just throwing stuff out there you could have very situational um uh situations that that give you a mechanical bonus as well and it could be a situation that doesn't happen very often uh or it could be something that does happen very often just depending upon the level of uh power you want to have in these mundane items so like like a like a a real clutch magic item is is kind of, but like mun- mundanely crafted and i mean not just just with a sword but if they were to craft some sort of knickknack mm-hmm. right that to use in in some sort of super pinch situation i like that yeah that, like i i i think when you say knickknack i think of like all sorts of little gadgets and doodads that that a rogue would be particularly interested in maybe something that that um that gives you an advantage to to distract someone yeah it's not going to be something that goes out and kills your enemies but this little gadget knickknack or something you throw out there and it, it makes some extra noise because you've built this mechanism that does that when it hits the ground gives you advantage to distract the people that you're trying to hide from or something like that um so all sorts of things that you can do without going into the realm of of magical territory um, and without do it without making it super overpowered as well mm-hmm. yeah and i think I think one of my favorite parts about about doing stuff like this is it provides that that additional avenue for your players to like explore and interact with the world there's and that's Every anything that can build realism in, I know that I've I've probably beaten this horse <laughs> like a lot, right? <laughs> but uh, I love I love adding realism to the game and and giving people these these options. My players recently, and and I'm not going to say that this was a high craft check. This was a pretty low low craft check. Um, but they found a bunch of like chalky stone, and they spent they're like, oh, we're gonna we're all gonna sit down and we're gonna scrape at this stone for like. 10 minutes and that's what my party chose and they, and they did and they put all of their scrapings into a bag and they're like hey we have a bag of chalk and uh, they were super super pumped about having this bag of chalk and uh, i didn't think about it at the time i was like whatever you, you guys have a bag of chalk now but then 
I totally spaced on the fact that my assassin that was chasing them um, had the ability to go invisible, which was like his like go to thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, they just covered him with chalk. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't go very well for 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 my dude. <laughs> yeah, and and so that's that's I think the other benefit is is by allowing them to craft things that don't have any sort of obvious mechanical benefits. It does encourage your players to be creative. Um, I, I think I may have mentioned this in a previous episode. I my my party for my Pathfinder game was in this like inventor's uh, lab and, and it is um, not so smart assistant also fashioned himself an inventor. And, and so they were talking to this assistant while the, while the inventor was not there and he wanted mm-hmm. to show the party all of the things that he invented. And one of them was just like this pole with these like rubberized hands that when you, when you shook it, they, they like, they wouldn't even clap. They would just kind of wiggle back and forth. And <laughs> and one of the party was like, can I, can I have that? <laughs> I was like, okay. And it was, gosh, it was probably six months later. And there was some situation that like required multiple hands to do something. You're like, oh, can I use my tool to do this? It's like, Okay, yeah. The fact that you remembered that you had it and you carried it around all this time, <laughs> yes, you can you, you can use that. So, yeah. Um, and, and that was that was a situation where where I crafted something, and I think that's an important thing where we'll kind of get into the discussion next. Is that even if your players themselves aren't interested in the mechanics of crafting, there's a good chance that they will be interested in. Um, custom crafted items uh even like like my example there if if the if the item has no discernible value at that time just because it's different it's unique it's something that they're like oh this is different it must have i must be able to use it at some point uh so with that in mind i think let's maybe start jumping into the conversation about when we as DMs craft an item, and 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 Danielle, why don't you like get us started with like what the questions are that we need to be asking? Well, I think I, I want to use uh, your your goblin hands. They they weren't goblin hands. They were um, the, the, clapless the floppy hands. hands. I'm going to use <laughs> the floppy hands. I'm going to use the floppy hands as an example. So, if you're going to make some sort of arbitrary mundane item in your game, well, maybe not arbitrary, but uh, good questions to ask yourself is like the basics, who, what, where, when, and why, which which you were able to answer with, uh, well, mostly <laughs> <laughs> with your floppy hand story. So who made it? That was the, the inventor's assistant. You know, why did he make it? Because he wanted, he was, he, was an, he wanted to be an inventor. He just wasn't that good at it. Right. Yep. And so as you answer these questions, you build out these these nice little story nuggets, these little pieces of, of life that kind of like exist in the game. And as much as and this is my favorite part, as much as they seem so, um, I guess, trivial, you still had a character who who saw this weird thing that you made because you thought it was kind of funny. I'm guessing. Yep. And uh, and they're like, oh. I must have that. And then they packed it around with them on their character sheet for six months <laughs> to use in some other fashion that nobody ever thought about. 
especially not a Mr. Inventor guy. Yeah, and for those of you that are curious, I, I just thought of this. For those of you that are curious about what this uh, looks like, I will include a picture of this item because I did make a picture of it. Um, um, you can find it on, on the episode page for this episode, becomingdm.com slash EP81, if you want to have a good, good, good little fun there. <laughs> uh, but moving on, I, I think that... Uh, being able to answer those those questions kind of fills in the blank of some of the other th- stuff that that you might want to know, like history of the device or history of the thing. I, I, I say device because we've been talking about my floppy hands device, um, <laughs> but history of of the object. Um, what some common uses, maybe a story san- surrounding its misuse or glory. And I, I love the misuse because. Um, just it's the misuse could be wrongly attributed as well like this is the this is the whip that um so and so got himself killed with and it had nothing to do with the whip maybe but 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 he he could not defend himself or or wrapped it around his his neck and couldn't couldn't fix it or or whatever uh in a fight um but now the, the 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 whip is cursed, and that's not obviously necessarily a crafted item. It's just a basic whip, but it just kind of shows how you can tweak things to add in that storyline with them to make it a little bit more of a special item that somebody may or may not want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I and I love that that answering little questions like this just can can uh, get the creative juices flowing, um, like. With with uh, I I kind of wrote this in there because I, I started thinking about the the goblin gung drops mm-hmm. and uh, gung bombs I don't know it doesn't matter what you call them the bags of poo and uh, <laughs> but but not all goblins use these maybe mm-hmm. right so maybe there's like a whole different sect of goblins and they haven't really interacted with other goblins much and that's why they they don't really behave like the the rest of the goblins do and so then in that area. We've we've not only had to put these goblins in a new place, maybe a place that you've already got, maybe a whole new one that you get to make. Why are they isolated? Why were they isolated? What's the history there? And how did their culture develop um, in a way that they decided that this was good practice beyond just being goblins? Yeah, developing the story beyond the story. And sometimes that story is how you'll reveal the item. Like maybe with our goblin gung drops, you have this group of adventurers that stumbles into a into an inn just stinking to high heaven and people are like, What happened to you? <laughs> Those goblins and their dang gung gung drops. And and yeah. thus begins the story of, of the goblin gung drops to some extent. <laughs> <laughs> their glory precedes them. <laughs> Um, good, good way to foreshadow to your party that they might need a constitution um, <laughs> score. Yep. Um, I, I do think that that uh, once you answer some of those questions, you need to think about um, how you balance the item. We're talking about mundane items, so they're not going to be hopefully uber powerful to all extremes because they are still mundane. We're not talking about magical items or anything like that. But I do think that that taking a a look at what's out there already is important for a couple of different reasons. One is because maybe what you're trying to do already exists. And and if it does, don't waste time on recreating it. Um, just 
if it's if it doesn't have the right name or the right description or 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 something like that you can very easily change that to make that item the thing that you're looking for as long as the other characteristics match what you're trying to do yeah it's a it's a big case of just kind of looking for something similar or has a similar utility and then just porting all of the details over there and and this is important because the amount of times that I have put something into the world and it's just it's, maybe it's just like a decoration on the mantelpiece. And I just think it's cool, a little bit of flavor. And eventually some party member is going to be like, oh, I'm going to pick this up and I'm going to hit that guy with it. How much damage does that do? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's you know always what's the question. <laughs> yeah, and so so having that kind of general idea in your head, you know, what is this item similar to? What kind of impacts might it have? And I know weapons are are really really easy. It's like, oh, is it a long stick or is it a short stick? Does it have a sharp end or a pointy end? Yep. And you can kind of match that. It gets a little bit more complicated when you move into other things, but uh there's there's still a lot of a lot of information out there. And if you go through all of that and you can't think of anything that uh, is has any similarities to the doodad that you're making, um, yeah, and then you're just going to make your own. The easiest way to do that is just to compare the block that you want against a, a similar, uh, not like a not a not a similar item, obviously, because I just said that this is wholly unique mm-hmm. in and of itself, but a similar. Um, Class of item, uh, maybe. Um, there, that's the word I was looking for. A similar class of item. It's like I'm looking for something that's like low tier or high tier as far as mundane items go. And all the high tier items, they ha- they do at least four things, right? And to to just kind of have that um, prepared because eventually your party's are, your party's going to want to touch it, and then they're going to ask you questions. Yep. So yeah, just using uh, using the the already built by somebody else stuff uh, as your as your comparison point to understand um, what what's like a good range of characteristics for this. Um, and I I feel like I want to keep on going back to weapons, but really this could be for anything, um, and, and you could tie it into to to like cost as well. Uh, if you're, if you are truly crafting a mundane item that is just like, obviously you probably wouldn't buy gung drops, but, <laughs> but, you might. but, but like you something, show those goblins so, what they're something with. that, that like is a consumable or something like that. You, you're going to want a, a cost to it. And so looking in the, looking in the books and finding things that are class wise roughly the same it helps you also to find things like cost if if somebody's going to just buy it in the store if it's something that you as the dm have made mm-hmm. i just hearing you talk about that made me think about something else i know that because we keep talking about weapons because weapons are an easy thing to like compare against yep. and then items are another easy thing easy thing to compare against less easy than weapons but something that doesn't really get talked about much when it comes to crafting and i'm not going to spend that much time on it because there's not that much to say um is art art is part of a craft Mm -hmm. right having having a player um wandering around the forest and uh you know stopping and painting forest scenes uh that is that's a completely viable crafting option and i i personally think that that could open up some some other interesting adventure opportunities to like uh art thievery or um you know 
I don't know. Your any, your art gets of... noticed by a noble, and he invites you to his uh, his mansion or, or something like that. It, it's a it's a door. It's also a doorway to to um, create new connections that can then create further uh, plot hooks. Yes, that is a much better way to put it than what I was rambling on about. <laughs> <laughs> So let's move on and talk about um, when players want to craft. And and we've talked a little bit about this in a previous episode where we talked about downtime. And, and when we talk about crafting rules, those that exist are typically going to be related to downtime. So um, 5e has rules. Pathfinder has rules related to it. Um, so 5e, the, to craft a mundane item, is going to be market value divided by 50 uh, with a minimum of one week to create, right? Mm-hmm. It's, uh, now, keep in mind that this is also downtime, though. Yep. Because technically with downtime, that's, that's, that's like your evenings by the campfire, right? Or is that is that just not adventure? Typically, at all? from what the way that I've uh, typically seen it dealt with is that is non-adventure time because at the at, yeah. at the campfire you really are trying to rest and recuperate from your day, so you're probably not going to be like smelting iron to to make your new gadget. <laughs> yeah, so so the downtime is like is like everybody's just sitting in town. You got you got a week for uh you're waiting on that noble who's going to buy your painting uh you got a week for them to come back to town to buy your painting and so you got a week's worth of downtime and so that's what your players can do with that but yeah with the with the evening craftables that's uh that's kind of the pickle i always find myself in is players always tend to want to craft something in the in the evening sitting around the campfire yep um which you could in theory do Maybe not the smelting thing. I like right? whittling, um, uh, I think, is a fairly common campfire activity in the real world. So I, I would imagine that you could probably do some some small form whittling. Um, obviously, not anything that uh, that is uh, massive or anything like that. But but yeah, like uh, doing a, a little uh, little whistle, uh, wood whistle, like uh, like uh, mm-hmm. Dale Cooper in uh, in Twin Peaks. <laughs> <laughs> So, but then if if you're thinking about doing a little crafting in, in the evenings around the campfire, just consider that with downtime, official downtime, it's it's estimated that you're spending eight hours a day on that project. So if your characters are only spending an hour a night on that project, yep. then you, you kind of have to multiply the amount of time it's going to take to, to complete um, some sort of adventuring crafting by, by eight hours. Like yeah, I'm I'm assuming that they get one hour of free time, um, which is definitely where you would find the the time creep with uh, something like full plate. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna smelt every night for an hour. <laughs> it's like, well, it's <laughs> you're only gonna get twenty minutes worth of work done because you have to build the fire, it's stoke a, the fire. It's a good thing that I brought my first forge with me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So. Then when we talk about Pathfinder, there are going to be rules there as well. I believe this was in the Ultimate Campaign book, um, if I'm not mistaken. It's been a little while since I, I, I've looked at them. But um, there, it allows you to craft, uh, use a craft check versus the, the DC to create that item. Um, 
if you succeed, you multiply uh, your craft check by the DC. Is that right? And if that up adds up to the silver piece value of the item, then you succeeded. And if not, then you record those results for the day. And that's basically the progress that you've made. And then in future days, that progress helps you get closer to being complete. Yeah, I, I found that rule for Pathfinder and I thought that that was super interesting. So it like just, just to talk it out, if you have like a piece of full plate, that's what, 1,500 gold to buy full plate in Pathfinder? Yep, something like that. Yeah. Something like that. And so then in silver pieces, that'd be like, what, 15,000? Because you just add a zero yeah, for silver yeah. pieces. Right? So then if your craft check is 20 time, well, let's let's say a 10 for easy math average, 10 times the DC of 15, that would be, what, 1,500? I'm bad at math. That would be 150. I maybe shouldn't have started. Hundred, yeah, that's so. One hundred and fifty. So you're looking at to fifteen thousand. That's that's a lot of crafting time. Yep. Yeah, but it does make sense. It's not like these things just roll out over the campfire overnight. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is an interesting way to do it with the silver piece value. Yeah, um, because it, it 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 ties in what the um, it, it basically. Uh, requires the the players to put a proportional amount of of time into it as to, opposed to just going out and buying it themselves. So for 1500 yeah. gold, maybe maybe it's better just to go find the gold and buy the plate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that and when we're talking about just going out and buying the plate, is there's there's still cost requirements if you're going to do your crafting. So unless you let your players go out and do their own mining to mine said, um, you know, iron to make this this piece of full plate, um, they have to have fifty percent in five e. Anyways, they have to have fifty percent of the value of the piece in materials and components. So in in theory, they should already have gone to market and purchased 750 gold pieces worth of of like iron yeah so it doesn't actually offset the cost that much for just making basic items it does add flavor i think for the time spent though um investing into into these huge things i wouldn't encourage my party ever to be like hey you know what if you guys just abandoned all your quests <laughs> and stayed in town for the next two months, you could save yourself 300 gold. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> There'll be plenty of role-playing opportunities. Timmy, did you stock the fire? You know, it's... I, I, <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying that there's not value in it, but uh, I, I am saying that I don't see it that much. <laughs> Yeah. So, and and I mean beyond there, and this is where I think it becomes uh, gets to the point of being even less financially um, attractive. Is you have to have equipment to do this stuff too. So, uh, artisan tools. So there there are there are toolkits. I know in in D anD. Um, but there's also like tools that'll be required for really, if, if we go back to our armor thing, you do need to have access to a forge that's going to get hot enough to melt your metal to form into the things and stuff like that. So 
So there is some some cost to do that. And I don't know that there are necessarily rules for for the cost. I know that you, for for 5e there's there's the tools that you buy. Um but to gain access to something that like is a highly specialized piece of equipment, I would I would I would definitely have there be some cost, whether that is a financial cost or a quest cost, would be up in the air, just depending upon what's going on with the party at that time, though. Mm-hmm. I've always fancied uh, the quest cost yep. for something like that. Just And it, I never make it something, like, huge. It's just this tiny little thing. You know, you think about it. If you're if you're a blacksmith or something, and you see this, this grizzled adventurer come in and he's like no i want to build a sword and he looks like he could solve all of your problems <laughs> that you've been having with the blacksmith across the street <laughs> you're going to take advantage of that <laughs> yep but that's that's kind of how i think about it and the other thing so let's say that they're nowhere near a town but they they do get this this itch to um, smith a set of full plate you can also use found items so i mentioned earlier about um Maybe maybe your player's mining it, or maybe they they went into a mine to deal with a cobalt issue, and uh, they found these carts of, of pre-mined iron ore, and they could they could use that to to craft. Or um, let's say they have access to a dragon. I don't know. Or something that gets or real hot. Like, or like they're exploring castle ruins and. They just happened to find that the oh. the forge in the uh, where the blacksmith was in the castle is in pretty decent condition. Um, so that would be another like found example again tying back into that that armor thing. Yeah, I love that idea about them finding a forge in like an old castle, old dungeon, because in theory all these dungeons used to be lived in and used, yep. and a forge would have been something that was. Uh, Highly sought after. I'd, I'd actually never considered my players using the forges that I put in the games. Yeah. Well, yeah. now so now maybe they will. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever finished running a session of your favorite role-playing game and thought to yourself... I'm not really sure I ran that the right way. Or maybe you just tried out something new in your game and it worked really well and you want everybody to know about it. If so, you may have the perfect idea for a future episode of Becoming DM. Point your browser to becomingdm.com ideas and fill out our simple form to tell us all about it. You can even let us know that you'd like to be a guest co-host for the topic. Submitting your ideas helps John and Danielle relieve pressure on their brains so they can record more episodes. Go to becomingdm.com slash ideas today to submit your episode idea. Now let's get back to the show. So I think another way, because we, we've talked about this material cost, um, and we, we've talked a little bit about found items, but, but they can pointedly search for and collect some of the materials that they need as well right oh they absolutely can like that uh like the cobalt mines that i talked about earlier right like they go they clear out the mines yada yada but they also find these carts and so that's one way to find that but you can also have uh 
uh, survival checks. I yep. think 5e still had, yeah. Yep. And uh, your ranger and your druid and stuff, they can tootle off into the forest and go find that super special pansy that when ground up and boiled, you know, turns into a dye for your clothes. And and you can use these to, to encourage the party to, to kind of go out there, make these, these checks that maybe don't get these, I think, use these skills that maybe don't get used that often. Mm-hmm. Is another opportunity for that, um, and that's kind of what what we're looking for here is is uh, opportunities for people to really engage with their characters. And the fun part about this is is it adds new options, right? And so something that I'm always looking for with with my campaign is is I've got I've got a general idea about you know where the things are that the party is probably going to go to. But this does bring up decisions for the party because the party will say to themselves, okay, we need to trek from point A to point B to go after the big bad evil guy. We could go left or we could go right. If we go left, we could probably find iron ore. If we go right, we could probably find dark wood. Yep. Um, And I I think that... um the other thing that can can happen as a result of this is that um, they could hear about somebody having the thing that they need, and so they could take one of those side paths to negotiate with that person um, to to acquire it, buy it, uh, trade for it, uh, whatever. And and so oh, yeah. it, it doesn't always have to be. Um, Found on the side of the road. Found, found on the side of the road. It doesn't always have to be going to the ye old iron uh, iron purveyor in the marketplace or something like that. It could be that that they they know a guy who knows a guy kind of thing. A little shady backroom deal. <laughs> I like that. I really do like that because then it's like you know it's it's you know Doug right the farmer Doug. He just happens to have access to to this stuff, and and it's just sitting in his shed. But and he'll sell it to you, but you just got to go talk to him. Yep. And and of course, there there is always the option to actually go to the marketplace and talk to vendors there and, and try and get your stuff there. Um, um, again, depending upon where you're at in your campaign, that may be an option. It may not be an option. It may be the way that you want to go because I don't want them to choose to go down this path to find the guy in the woods that happens to have three <laughs> tons of iron. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, because they started asking around town and you gave them an answer and yep. and now you're worried that they might derail the entire, the entire to-do. So guess what? The iron market guy... He just rolled into town. Yep, and uh, he's got what you're looking for. Yeah, and I think that any of these sort of um, transactional things gives gives the ability to do um, to do the uh, charisma checks, persuasion, or diplomacy, depending upon which game you're you're talking about, and and just um, again have those high charisma players have some benefit to uh, to having those 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 beefed up skills. Yeah, yeah. Always looking for for good role playing opportunities, um, it, especially to highlight those those RP heavy classes. Yep. So, let's talk about failure. <laughs> oh, do we have to? Yeah, because failure is uh, is an option. Uh, believe it or not, uh, with crafting for well, some people. Well, at least in Pathfinder, it is. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes. Because um, within Pathfinder, the basically if you if the players fail that uh, fail that uh, crafting roll uh, by four or less, they just simply make no progress on on their crafting for the day. If they if they miss it by five or more, they ruin half of the raw material for their project. Woo! That's insane. Um, which means they have to go out and find more material if they want to continue on, um, which is always Could fun. you imagine if you had spent 750 <laughs> to get your iron ore for the for the full plate? Yeah. So, oh. so yeah. Rude. Yeah, uh, as we said, it's well, probably not the way to uh, save money. <laughs> no, definitely not the way to save money. Fortunately, for for the 5E, I I looked Everywhere that I could to uh, to find it, and Five uh, E in the official rule books has uh, has this handy dandy little blurb on crafting, which is I think comprised of like three brief paragraphs. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not really a hardy crafting system, and fortunately for us, there is no you. It's impossible to fail. There's there's no drawbacks to it. You just <laughs> you just go for it, and it's fine. Um, that being said, though, for people who do like 5e and like a, like a more well-built um, or who want to explore uh, a more robust crafting system, there is a Kibble's Guide to Crafting. Kibble's as in like kibbles and bits um, for those of you with pets. And uh, <laughs> um, I really, really enjoy that crafting guide. I, I think it uh, it adds a lot to the realm of crafting. Yeah. So worth checking out if this is interesting to you. That's one that I have not uh, I've not looked at before. So well, good tip. Do you have pets? I have pets. Oh, okay. But they do not uh, they do not eat kibbles and bits. Sorry. <laughs> so let's make so, crafting more exciting. Oh. Yes. That's my favorite. <laughs> um, I, I, because I think that I think that first off, the again back to what we were talking about at the very beginning of the episode is that you do have to understand your players and who is going to to um, be interested in crafting and and where it makes sense to provide them that opportunity. So um, even if they're not specifically interested in it in the start, some ways that that can um, grab their interest is to to highlight some customized equipment that that the NPCs carry. Um, so these would be custom crafted things, very very specific weapons or armor or, or or equipment, and it adds flavor. But it also kind of um, I think shows players that. Crafting doesn't have to be creating these all-powerful magic items. There are there are customizations that you could do to your equipment to make it do something that you want it to do, or even just look like what you want it to look like. Yeah, and the other thing is is if you if you give an NPC something that's uh, you know like it it doesn't have to be anything nice. You can be like a quarterstaff that just has uh, bunnies engraved from top to bottom. You know just bunny after bunny after bunny <laughs> it you know it makes it it makes the npc more memorable it gives the whole thing more flavor but it also and i know that they don't need any more encouragement than they already get but it gives something for maybe your rogue to um steal let's be honest run off and steal the bunny stick 
Um, but the other thing or, that I think that it, yeah. that can be really neat about having this customized equipment is that if it is if it is noticeable enough and you present it in a way that is memorable and the players are like, oh, um, then if this is a recurring NPC, especially if it's like a nemesis or a minion of the nemesis, um, then you can often just talk about the equipment that they see. Like they enter uh, a tavern and they see the cloak that is rimmed with like uh, gold inscription on the hem or something like that. And, and as long as you're using kind of the same way to describe it, they'll be like, Oh, where is he? Where is he? Uh, <laughs> um, so it's it's kind of a neat way to um, to t- have that tie in for those recurring NPCs when when otherwise you would just have to say, oh yeah, there's Bob, your nemesis. He's in the he's in the tavern too. <laughs> so I think while you're talking about that, something that I thought was was kind of interesting is that you could you could have your players like doing their like normal adventure doing the normal campaign but have them know that there's this this highly sought after crafter this roaming crafter and uh, every once in a while they'll like go into a town and they'll see a piece that he's worked on and they can slowly gain more information about said crafter and it kind of can work as like its own little side piece little little side quest little side story and uh, for some reason that just tickles my brain and sounds super interesting (laughs) <laughs> the uh the, the the quest is to find the person they may not know what they want crafted or they may not know what inventory he has but finding them or maybe they just have like a letter from the king that says if you find this dude because i know you're heading in that direction i'll give mm-hmm. you a, a thousand gold for finding him and delivering this letter but it's not like a primary like concern of theirs yeah, but suddenly maybe it becomes the primary concern. Um, yeah, because it, it all it all ultimately boils down to the player's choice and, yeah. and what uh, what they find the most rewarding option is. So, absolutely. I was just going to say if if we're talking about making crafting like more more exciting, um, I know that we talked earlier about using like your craft check, right? Roll your craft check yep. against craft DC, and hey. You got an 11. 11 times this equals that many silver pieces. And that's, I mean, that's mechanically how it works. Um, but I don't I don't think that that's as exciting as it could be. I think that you can use so many more of your abilities and, and, and skills and such when you're, when you're making um, not just a crafting check, but working on an item, right? So instead of having your players roll a craft check, you know, have them say, I'm going to go back to the full plate again. They're like, oh, I'm going to craft this this big full plate thing. And you say, okay, uh, roll a strength check. They might look at you, you know, a bit sideways to start with. Be like, shouldn't I roll a craft check? It's like, well, the first thing that you're going to have to do is you're going to have to heave all of that raw iron up. You're going to have to load it in and out of the forge. You got to have it, you got to condition it or separate it i I don't forge i don't know Um, (laughs) but i'm guessing it's going to be heavy and so having them make you know strength checks right at the start to 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 get all of these materials into a workable position and then maybe have them do you know a couple craft checks on their next set for for working with the equipment getting it getting it in the rough shape 
But then you could also add something like closer to the end where you throw in some dexterity checks where they're they're working on the finer details. They're putting in, you know, the rivets and putting in a rivet. Well, I shouldn't say this. I've never put in a rivet. But in my head, I'm picturing that it's you can't just smash forever. There's got to be some like finer work to it. So you could make somebody use dex checks or maybe they want to, I don't know, put engrave some flourishes on it or something. Yeah, I, and I think that, that we can we can kind of explore into other stats as well. Like a constitution check would, would maybe uh, allow them to work longer hours, which means that maybe you could make more progress on it on a daily basis. Uh, again, if you're dedicating that day to, to working on it, rather than it being eight hours, maybe it's 10 hours. Um, uh, where wisdom, maybe you uh, remember a trick from... From your old uh, old town, old area that you you lived in that allows you to do this part of it faster, or or have X percent more progress per day, or, or however you want to want to approach that. Um, uh, where like intelligence, maybe you remember a blueprint where where you wanted to build something but you didn't know how. Uh, your intelligence can maybe help you remember how how this blueprint works so you can put it together all, all in your head, right? Oh, absolutely. I I love being able to, to kind of spice things up and keep players on their toes. And, uh, yeah, you can throw any of that. I don't know I don't know how well a jump check would work, but uh, there's pro- <laughs> where there's a will, there is a way. Um, but you were talking about blueprints, which which makes me think about the fact that you can find recipes and blueprints, right? Um, not every person knows how to smith a sword, but you can find instructions on how to do it. Yeah, certainly. Um, and and those instructions could be things that they find in the in in uh, a dungeon or on a corpse. Or it could be something that they get given as a as a reward. Like this blacksmith knows that they've been eyeing this uh, this sword, and and he asks them to do something, and says it'll give him the give them the the specs in order to make it happen on their own because he knows knows that they can't possibly afford the sword that he's selling. <laughs> <laughs> um, something that I like to do with like recipes and blueprints is sometimes uh, players uh, will. Uh, try to find an answer in an area that is nowhere close to where they're going to find any answers. So let's say they go to the library um, to do some research for the underground criminal den that has no records on it, right? So they're probably not Mm -hmm. going to find anything there. But if you look through enough books, I I know this rings true for me. If I look through enough books, I'm going to find something interesting and I yep. like to throw these these recipes and blueprints in as just interesting little tidbits. It gives the players some reward for for doing the action that they did. It adds this this nice little this side flavor if if they want to go and uh, I don't know make this this curly blade dagger. They can go do that now. They've got the blueprint. They've seen it. They can do that. And I I feel like it just kind of fills that space up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and having having some of those things just in your back pocket is really helpful because I don't know when my 
when my players are going to say, oh, let's go to the library and see if there's anything there. Um, and, and if they do and you don't have any sort of main plot line information prepared, it's a lot better to, to, to have these things in your back pocket that you can say, oh, well, you didn't find anything about this, but you found this like interesting, weird uh, diagram of a sword that that and give the details of it. Um, that's a lot, I think, a lot better than just saying, yeah, you don't find anything. Yeah, it, it it gives them something, even if they didn't find what they were after. I mean, it could it could be something as simple as the world's best turnip recipe, guaranteed to please the king, right? Yeah. That's, that's all it needs to be. But we didn't say which king. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the rat king. Yeah. Huh? Um, I, I do think that, that one thing that you need to look at doing it potentially is introducing challenges. And my one of my favorite ways to introduce challenges into the crafting process is understand that some of the things that they want to do require a specialized skill set to do. And and they may not have that specialized skill set. Just because you want to make plate armor does not mean that you just like suddenly know <laughs> how to make plate armor. Um, so, so making whatever they're trying to do could require um, some specialized training, which could be a path that they go to try and learn stuff. Again, another downtime activity, learning that skill. Or to finding an expert. Maybe maybe what they want to do, yeah, they have the skill set to, to build a rudimentary version, but they want a very high, high quality thing that would require years and years of practice and experience. Um, maybe they have to go and find a, an, an expert in this in this trade. And so gives them some gives you some options to again tie in more hooks that, that the players might be invested in pursuing uh, rather than your, your standard storyline. Yeah, anytime that you can do a cool thing like that, and that and that would be challenging for them. And like you said, you can tie it into storylines. And uh, I, I just I I feel like the experience would be enriching, enriching, engaging, both. Yes. Yes. Both. <laughs> <laughs> um, but other challenges you can yeah. do are are just having resources that they want be limited, difficult to find, uh, where. Or maybe they have to get creative about how they get the stuff, uh, like having the rogue go steal it, um, <laughs> or, or or using uh, creative negotiation, whatever that may be. But but having limited and difficult resources to find means that the if it's important to the players, they will look for ways that they can get them when when they normally otherwise wouldn't be able to get them. Mm -hmm. And your party can introduce challenges to themselves via nat ones. Um, you know, bad things can happen on nat ones. I'm not saying it's guaranteed failure because um, that's not a thing in 5e. But uh, you could have the, the a tool break or become misplaced from something. Or maybe maybe there is a rogue, but it's an enemy rogue. And uh, yep. they want that thing, and so they 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 swipe it from you while you're while you're asleep. I mean, yes, again, that's that's another little side quest thing. You got to be careful uh, with stuff like that. Things can go sideways pretty fast. Yep. 
Um, I think it's time to move on to some cautionary tales. And uh, you've had more crafting in your games than, than I have. Are we talking about things going Daniel. sideways really fast? <laughs> yeah. So so uh, why don't you get us kicked off with some of the cautionary tales? So I think my A1 cautionary tale, and the only reason why this is my A1 cautionary tale is because it happened to me. Um, it was one of the very first games that, that I was running. And uh, I had one of my players approach me and they're like, oh, I really want to craft. And I, I was I got so excited. I was immediately excited because I've always thought it was interesting. <laughs> and uh, in my mind, I was saying yes. Just I, like as soon as he started saying craft, I was like, yes. And uh, I would have said yes to anything. <laughs> and so I actually do not remember what he explained to me that he wanted to craft. I just said yes. And uh, he wanted to play around with alchemy and, and do these things. And uh, I was like, that's that's super awesome. That's super engaging. And I just kept saying yes. And he never came right out. We never talked about what he wanted to build or why he wanted to do this. And so we get like... You know, weeks later, and uh, he's he's been doing all this crafting every time there's downtime. He's like, oh, I'm doing this crafting that we talked about. I'm like, good. And uh, one one day, this was on Roll20, and uh, one day he popped into chat, and we, we started with the game, and he's like, haha, well, today is X day, which you said it would take me this long to craft these things. I was like, yep, there you go. And he's like, haha. <laughs> this is his gotcha moment. It was his gotcha <laughs> moment. And, and, he, and he actively said to me, he's like, you're a fool. You let me create this, and now I will destroy your game. That's literally what he said to me, because I had accidentally <laughs> let him make, like, dynamite or something. And uh, it wasn't dynamite. It was much worse than dynamite. I do not remember what it was. Um, but... <laughs> But it was, it was, it, it, it slipped away from me so quickly. Um, so something that I'm going to, to caution is when somebody comes up to you and they're not trying to craft a dagger um, or like a stick. I want to, I want to make a big stick into a little stick. You probably don't need to cover that with the player. <laughs> but if, if they're like, oh, I want to do this really obscure thing, like a centrifuge, maybe find out, have a discussion with that player as far as what their expectations are with, with this, with this crafting Avenue, um, what outcomes are they, are they kind of looking for? What, what usability are they anticipating that this item might have? Very, very, very good questions to ask apparently. Yep. And, and to that, I would say one of the things that, that is, a way for you to understand that you can say no to some of these a little more outlandish requests is that you and the player need to understand that just because the player can think it does not mean that that is an idea that the character will come up with. I know that this is hard to hard to imagine because we typically are embodying the character and stuff like that. But just because I know what a thermonuclear device is at a high level does not mean that my character suddenly knows what that is and knows that this is what I want to build. And just because he has an 18 intelligence can suddenly build that. Um, <laughs> but I'm super because, smart. Because even if, even if just being super smart was a prerequisite to doing that, there were a lot of scientific discoveries that had to happen to make that a possibility. So 
if somebody really wants to go down the path, well, I want to build a nuclear bomb. All right, well, great. Let's start at the beginning. We got to make some some other scientific discoveries first. <laughs> uh, you got a got a few thousand years. I oh, no, not a few thousand, obviously, <laughs> but but um, so so you need to understand like there are there are going to be things in your game world that you're just going to need to say no to because no matter how intelligent the character is. Um, it's just not going to be something that they have the world view. They're not looking through the appropriate lens to understand that that's even something that they could think about, let alone that they have the ability to think about. Uh, number two is if it is something that's possible with you in your world and you're still kind of on the fence, uh, you could you could do an intelligence check just to see if it's something that the character would think to build because there is kind of this what's my background what 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 kind of book knowledge do i have that might enable me to think of this really weird uh, mundane uh uh object that that i could do something with um and i will say that the goal here is not to say i'm going to hamstring all the players ideas but there are going to be some things that 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 when when player comes up with it and it's like wow this is a really intricate um uh very very involved idea how did your how did your int 8 barbarian come <laughs> up with this <laughs> um and yeah maybe 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 they roll really excellently well and they meet whatever you define as the difficulty class for it and you can't say okay yeah yeah you had a good day you're, you're we're gonna move forward with it but um it does allow you to have that that check and balance even if something is feasible within your world yeah, I do. I do like that idea of of it being feasible because even Isaac Newton or whatever he's he's regarded as being a very very smart fella, right? Um, invented mm -hmm. calculus, yeah, smart enough to invent math, you know. And uh, <laughs> but he still had that. I know that it, I think technically, historically speaking, it didn't actually happen. But it's it's this idea that we have. As the story goes. As the story goes, <laughs> he was sitting underneath the apple tree and an apple smacked him. And he was like, aha, that's curious. And he came up with this idea. So there's nothing saying that, that other beings can't have these aha moments to represent the higher intelligence checks. But it doesn't mean that the dude who invented math was fully capable at the time of you know your your uranium of inventing space travel thing. <laughs> yeah so i would say like that's that for me that is the biggest word of caution when it comes to to um to crafting is just understand the limits of the character and make sure that your players understand the limits of the character and what what really is realistic for crafting mm -hmm. um if you're, I think if you start from there and you have some open dialogue and some discussion, that you're you're pretty in pretty safe territory. Um, but but if if they're just telling you this is what I'm going to invent and not having any sort of conversation, that's a a big red flag to me. Yeah, it most definitely is. Be cautious. I think that's all we wanted to talk about, it, isn't it? I I think we um, covered pretty much everything. Yeah. All right. Well, um, thank you for joining us again for another episode. Uh, we will see you in a couple of weeks. And until then, stay nerdy, stay nerdy friends. friends.
Thanks for joining us again. Make sure to share the show with friends to help grow our audience. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash becomingdm. On Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest, we are Becoming DM. And our website is becomingdm.com. Becoming DM is produced by John Welsh and Danielle Tremblay. The show is edited by John Welsh. We'll be back in two weeks. See you then.